Find out for yourself why almost half the medals awarded in the pro division of this year's U.S. Open were won using an Engage paddle. Go to EngagePB.com and try any paddle risk-free for 30 days. That's EngagePB.com. Welcome to Pickleball Radio. My name is Chris Allen, joined today by the hardest-working person in pickleball from PickleballTournaments.com, Melissa McCurley. Hello, Melissa. Hello, Chris. And talking today with two great players, two champions, father and son, Steve and Callan Dawson in California. Gentlemen, thank you and welcome. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Steve, let's start with you. How would you characterize the Dawson style? If I had to categorize the Dawson style of play, I would say it's controlling the kitchen during the course of a doubles match. And if if you can imagine this, it would be staying on the aggressive side of a dink rally. You know, the, the other people move a little further. They go to different spots. They're always stretching and moving and moving and stretching and going this corner to that corner, whatever, all within a dink rally. So you're sort of beating people up with dinks. That's sort of how I would describe it. Is it kind of like a death by a thousand cuts type of a strategy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You've given the overall Dawson style. Uh, Let's break it down a little bit into how you approach certain elements of the game. Let's start with the serve here. Are you guys just getting it in, Callan, or are you trying to make something happen, maybe force a mistake or or put your uh, opponent on defense right from the very beginning? When it comes to the serve, I mean, for the most part, I'm just trying to get it in because nothing makes you more frustrated than missing a serve. But if it is feeling good, I mean, I will try to hit the ball as hard as I can while still being pretty sure I'm not going to miss just in hopes that maybe it makes their return a serve 10 or 15 percent worse just so it makes my third shot that much easier. But I mean, for the most part, I'm just trying to make it in. Yeah. So that's the I mean, rule. Number one is just don't miss the serve. Oh yeah, for sure. And um, maybe not necessarily trying to hit the ball hard to make it mess up, but you know, but just maybe changing it up with the depth in the court, you hit it. Maybe you hit one deep, maybe you hit one somewhat shallow mm-hmm. and maybe using that way to get them to hit a worse return to serve instead of just trying to hit it as hard as you can. So deep isn't necessarily uh, a requirement. You can go shallow, you can go left or right. You're not always trying to hit to the backhand, not always trying to hit deep. Right, exactly. What about you, Melissa? Are you uh, are you a just-get-it-in type of uh, player? I don't think I've ever asked you that before. Oh, that's definitely me. That's why I have a backhand serve, because I could no longer get the ball in on a regular you know, underhand serve. So I learned the little backhand serve. So for me, it's all about just getting it in there. Yeah. What about you? Uh, are you the same way, Steve? Actually, a little bit different. I always start serving very conservatively, especially at the start of a game or after the other team calls timeout, which is when they want you to choke a serve into the net or something. I will start a game with just nice, simple serves right down the middle so it always goes in. I'll start after the other team calls a timeout. I'll start with the most simple, basic serve. And then as the match progresses, I start adding all my other serves. My own little rule to myself is I never hit the same serve twice in a row to the same person. So I'll have a a hard topspin forehand serve. I have a lob serve. I have a backhand slice serve. I have a sidespin forehand serve and a sidespin backhand serve. And part of the stuff that keeps me mentally motivated in a match is trying to remember the serve I hit to the person two serves ago so they get something different the next time. (laughs) That's my own thing. And I can never start that way because I'll miss them all. I have to 
work into that as the match progresses. I do have a little tip here for any listeners that yeah. want some a fun little thing on the serve is one thing I've learned through all my tournaments is when you play against an opponent that really loves to hack all kinds of massive spins on their return to serve. Yeah. Like some girls just chop it and hack it and spin it and it hits the ground and bounces all over. That's me. A way you can reduce the amount of spin your opponent can put on their return to serve is for you to have a lob serve. Then there's no forward momentum on the ball for them to transfer to spin. And when you just put a little lob serve in and watch the person try to spin it, it's, it's, they all, it's just. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, because I'm guilty of that, I get addicted to the spin. This is Callan. When you're doing that, when you're playing those people with super good slice return of serves and it's making it hard for you to hit some good third shots, if you hit it just nice and easy, they can still hit good slice. You literally have to hit a moon ball serve and then that will take away their ability to hit a good slice return. Back with more great advice from Stephen Callen Dawson after this Pickleball Radio. The U.S. Open Pro Division awards 48 medals. This year, 21 of those went to pros using an Engage paddle. To really get what makes Engage the best, you need to walk onto the court with one. Go to EngagePB.com and try any paddle risk-free for 30 days. You're guaranteed to play with more power and more control than you've ever experienced before. Or simply return it for a full refund. Engage will even cover the shipping. Play better, have more fun, and take your place on the medals stand go to engagepb.com we'll just jump right back into it wanted to talk about the return because a lot of people say the return is the most underrated shot in pickleball that that you can it's it's not necessarily that you're going to win the point but you can sort of craft the point more on the return than you can really on any other shot what do you think about that steve I would agree what you do with your return to serve limits or prohibits what the other guy is capable of doing with his third shot. So if my return to serve is short and weak, the guy, my opponent will be able to drop it in the kitchen easily or just blast it down my throat with, you know, one of these power shots. Mm -hmm. So to take those options away from my opponent, I have to return deep, return with slice, return a line drive, all kinds of things to take away options from my opponent. So if you think you're just going to fluff your return and then start playing afterwards, you're going to you're going to be in a big mess when you go up against a strong player. Are you thinking of the return as a defensive shot? Is it a preventative? Like I, I've just got to get a solid return to keep them from doing things. Or are you trying to go on offense already on the return? A little bit of offense, actually. I enjoy trying to put as much uh, underspin as I can on my uh, return is served, hitting a line drive, slice, deep return is serve, which makes life very difficult for my opponent. It makes it hard for them to smash. It makes it hard for them to put it in the kitchen. And that's the return of serve I hate to play against the most is when the other person can really put a lot of underspin on their uh, return as well. So I just try to do to my opponent that which I hate the most when they do to me. <laughs> it's like the opposite of the golden rule. Right, exactly. That's how I would do it. What about you, Callant? Yeah, I would say when you ask, is it more defensive or offensive? I mean, I think a little more offensive, but it's got to have a little touch of defense in there too because obviously we want to hit the ball deep. We want to hit the ball hard to make it very difficult for our opponent to hit a good third shot. But at the same time, you have to know, you got to know your ability and know how fast you can run to that kitchen line. Because if we hit it too hard, 
you're only halfway to the kitchen line by the time they're hitting their third shot. So you'll give them the option to either blast it hard at your feet or you're giving them an extra five feet to drop a third shot. Mm-hmm. And you're there kind of stuck in no man's land. And uh, yeah, it's the last place you want to be on that uh, when that third shot comes in. Right, exactly. What do you, uh, Melissa, do you, how often do you think you drive it on a third shot instead of just dropping it in? Do you have maybe a percentage or are you always going for one or the other? It really depends on what's coming at, at me. If someone returns a ball that is short, it's about to get driven back at them. <laughs> um, but if it's, uh, you know, coming at me, it's not the, a short ball. It's, it's really not the right ball to drive. Then it's just going to get a, a little drop shot over into the kitchen from me. So you use their return as your decision-making factor as to whether you're going to drive it or not. That is correct. Okay. You think that's the best way to go about it in most cases, Steve? I think the best way to go about it in most cases is to have, like Melissa said, what you want to do with their return of serve down before they return it. So uh, Melissa said, you know, if it's a little bit shorter, she's going to pop it at them pretty good. And if it's a little bit deeper, she's going to use the third shot in the kitchen and I think it's great to have your options sort of spelled out for you and then see what return comes your way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like to hit hard thirds as well and drop them in the kitchen. And I go more or less by what I think the height of the bounce is. If, if someone fluffs a moon ball return up and it bounces high, I'm going to crack it no matter where I am in the court. But if, if they're rifling a hard hit shot at me and I don't feel comfortable hitting it hard, I'll probably try to hit it in the kitchen on the third shot, and if I fail, I'll do like Matt Staub. I'll do it on the fifth shot, and if I fail again, I'll try a third shot on the seventh shot. Callan, same for you. I agree with what my father and Melissa say. When something's short or when you think you can drive it, go ahead and drive it. But personally, I choke up on the paddle so much that I really can't generate the power by hitting a hard third shot. So for me personally, I pretty much all I do is drop shot. Mm-hmm. Um, rarely ever hit the ball hard as a third shot. All right. So let's say the uh, shots have dropped in, everything's kind of progressed, and now you're all up at the kitchen line. What are you thinking now, Steve? It's kitchen time. Everybody's up there. I try to, and I'm saying I, but it was really Callan and I sort of developed this together. But one of the first things we do is we have a couple set of rules. Number one is you never hit the dink to the exact same place twice in a row. So if I dink to someone's wide forehand, if they're right-handed, the next one's going to go to the guy's backhand in the other corner. If he goes and gets that, the next one's going down the middle. And if someone goes to the middle, the next one's going to the corner. So the entire dink battle is a chaotic scramble because we never, Callan and I never engage in cross-court to cross-court to cross-court to cross-court where we're all sound asleep, you know, watching two people battle it out. The, (laughs) (laughs) The best way to do it is if someone goes cross-court, you change down the line, they go back to you, you go cross-court, they come cross-court, you go to the middle. So you sort of break it down with one spot in the middle of the court, the other spot on one far corner, and the other spot on the other far corner, and you never hit to the same one twice. Is that the same strategy you would use in men's doubles and mixed doubles? Uh, 100% right, absolutely. And when the girl can do that, they destroy all the guys because – it stops the guy from leaning over and taking the middle because you're going to cover him on his side, go to the other side, and the guy can never go over and take that shot. So I'd say absolutely. Yeah, I would have to agree 100%. Everything is I'm trying to move, hit that ball in a different spot every single time, pretty much creating pure chaos in hopes that I get the opponent off balance and they can pop something up that I can put away. 
And to add on top of that, something me and my father do is that as we are moving the balls around in different spots every time, we are also trying to stay as low and as wide as possible. My first thought before every shot is I try to take 100% of every ball out of the air and not let it bounce. Because if I can hit the ball out of the air, that is less time for my opponent to get back into position as if I were to let it bounce and then dink it. So everything is different spot every time while trying to take every ball out of the air. Excellent tips today, gentlemen. Thank you for joining Melissa and me on Pickleball Radio. Look forward to talking with you again. Thanks, Chris. And it was nice talking to you, Melissa. You too, Callan. All right. Take care, you guys. Steve and Callan Dawson. Great stuff. And as always, do not think of putting on a pickleball tournament without going to pickleballtournaments.com and employing the services of Melissa McCurley. Pickleball Radio is the official podcast of Pickleball News. Go to pickleballnews.com and make sure you are on our email list for tips, reviews, tournament info, deals, and a whole lot more. That's pickleballnews.com. This is Pickleball Radio.